Or are you listening to this podcast now? Settle in, grab a cuppa, it's all welcome. It's the Velasco Fitness Collective Podcast with James and Ellie. Hey team, welcome to the latest Velasco Fitness Collective podcast. A little bit of an interesting one today. We are officially joined by our first external guest, which I'm really excited about. Um, we through a member of the gym have been put in touch with Connor who is a sports psychologist um, and has some really interesting perspectives on a, on a lot you know we've, we've caught up albeit briefly but caught up already and, and the perspective that Connor has on a lot of things is really interesting I think really aligned with a lot of the things that we talk about on the podcast already and I think everybody's going to benefit hugely from what Connor has to share. Um, I'm here as always with Ellie. Ellie how are you? I'm very well how are you? I'm really good. Got my uh, hickory salted almonds on standby as well, so that I can uh, keep keep the energy levels up as well. The latest obsession. Absolutely. I I don't know. I, I feel like I should know. I've got a jar that's appeared in the house, and I don't know where it's appeared from. Um, I think it was some sort of gift from someone. So I hope it's not something that I should be able to pinpoint and that should be super memorable. But whoever whoever made them appear in my house I'm forever thankful for cool Connor how are you doing yeah good thanks good thanks James thanks for having me on um yeah I have to say before going into any any kind of psych related stuff I do love a hickory smoked almond and uh <laughs> I know that they're they're, they're quite oversold aren't they in the shop so I remember what, what's the little packet you can get but um but anyway I know if you're if you're making them yourself mate then uh then fair play well done because uh, they're, so, they're gorgeous yeah. I, I definitely will be. I've, I've been on a bit since trying them. They've been in the cupboard for weeks and I got to them literally like yesterday or the day before yesterday and just feel a fool for having taken so long to have got to them. So, Connor, we like to make sure that we are nice and warm before we get into any strenuous activity. So we are going to start with some quickfire Q&A for you, if that's okay. Fire away, bud. Sounds good. Wicked. So first off, nice and easy, tea or coffee? Oh, coffee at the moment. Yeah, definitely more more coffee. Um, oh, reasons, I guess, yeah, it depends on time of day. And um, yeah, my, my missus is telling me that after after 1pm, I probably shouldn't be having the, uh, the, the slightly darker stuff. But um, right. yeah, <laughs> no, I do love my coffee, mate. Definitely. Nice. Good job. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Um, next question. Most rewarding moment of 2020? Oh, Ellie, big one. I love that. Um, there were several. Um, I think whew, probably, yeah, probably just being able to, I, I do a fair bit of university lecturing and, and being able to sort of like help students during that period. Um, yeah, I think just, just being able to kind of like bring different topics to life, um, sort of on, even on the screen sometimes, because in terms of like, I guess the populations at the moment that I really feel for, I think students are definitely up there. Um, you know, some of these, these young guys and girls weren't seeing anybody, you know, they'd have lecturers just kind of like barking stuff across the screen. So being able to come in and hopefully bring a few concepts to life was very, very rewarding. Um, and the usual, usual things really having a, having a Christmas just before Christmas, um, having being able to get back to the Isle of Wight where I'm from and being surrounded by family. I was very fortunate. Again, I've got stories of friends who um, had to stay in their flats over Christmas and stuff. So that was, um, I guess, not really rewarding, but just really, uh, really thankful and grateful for. Um, but yeah. <laughs> nice, nice reflection. Um, 
as, as you'll be able to tell by my first question and my next question, I'm bringing the simple questions this morning and Ellie's getting deep. Um, cats or dogs? Oh, I'm a, I'm a dog man. I'm, I'm literally going to, uh, to hopefully foster a dog this coming Sunday. Um, nice. An, an Akbash uh, Labrador cross um, based in, in Newport. Yes, <laughs> and um and yeah so we're gonna we're gonna go across there yeah no i'm a massive dog man i've got nothing against cats but definitely dogs yeah yeah love them wicked nice um i've i think this is an important question you might think it's less important but peanut butter crunchy or smooth oh that's a, that's a cracking question um you know i guess it depends hey like on toast probably Probably smooth, but then if it's in like a a, a shake, oh geez, Ellie, that's um no. Nah, I'm gonna go. With, I'm gonna go. With, I'm gonna go with crunchy. Yeah, it's got to be yes. crunchy. Sorry. Good answer. We like that. <laughs> Reflections on 2020. Easy peanut butter, crunchy or smooth. Now we're getting to the, the real deep stuff. <laughs> um, pancakes or waffles? Uh, well, just based on how yeah, I have more pancakes than than waffles. Um, yeah, it's got to be a pancake, surely. Yeah. Great. Uh, yeah. Okay. If you could pick anyone, celebrity or otherwise, who would you have spent lockdown with? Aside from oh. who you actually spent it with, you can exclude them. You can exclude partner. Yeah. Um, I'd imagine someone like James Corden would be like a lot of fun. I think he he keep <laughs> yeah he keep he keep spirits pretty high. Um, maybe is it is it David Goggins? It is, isn't it? The yeah he yeah. he'd be he just. You know, get me up at 5 a.m. and uh, yeah, no, no complaints kind of household. That would be pretty cool. Um, yeah, several people, but let's let's go with a mixture of Corden and Goggins. Nice, Goggins, hell of a household. <laughs> um, favorite or most gear grinding fitness industry eye roll? Oh. So like favorite favorite fitness industry myth. Um, f- famous fitness industry sorry that's a bit of alliteration famous fitness industry myth yeah um oh yeah that's a goodie um i don't know that you're gonna you're gonna like look like the people on the posters overnight maybe <laughs> or like nice but if you yeah, yeah. yeah i don't know if you've got any like schwarzeneggers in the back of the the office gym people think that that might that <laughs> might happen in a in a week or, or a day's time yeah yeah, yeah that's, that, that's the same as mine mine is the classic like I don't want to train because I don't want to get bulky. It's like, I wish I could get bulky if I trained. Like, don't worry, you'll be fine. <laughs> okay, uh, last question. Definitely the most important question uh, of uh, your Q&A. If you could only pick one of these animals as your only mode of transport, which would it be? Donkey or giraffe? Oh. Okay, well, I'm, I'm biased here. I'm biased because I, I did. I've got my family in South Africa and I've spent a lot of time in, in South Africa and I've been to the bush and seen giraffes. Like, I mean, to be honest, every time I, I go back there and I see a giraffe, I'm just like, how can an animal be that tall? Honestly, it just like it, gob- <laughs> yes. it just gobsmacks me. So on that basis, just pure height, um, it's got to be giraffe. And actually, they're pretty they're pretty fearless as well. Like it takes quite a few lions to take down a giraffe. So yeah, sorry, giraffe. Long-winded answer, but giraffe. Yeah, okay. Good answer, Connor. I like you more and more. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, as people will know, I'll disagree. However, I do like the fact that there was at least a logical take and you're not like everyone else that's just flinging giraffe around because I think it would be fun. Very impractical, but I, I like that you managed to justify it. Oh, not impractical if you're being attacked by a lion though, clearly. 
Yeah. Yeah, but if you yeah, are, were so. on a donkey, you're less likely to be attacked by a lion, I, I feel like, because you're probably in a safer environment from the outset. So. Not on the same continent. Yeah. No um, they're safe. Cool. <laughs> so, Connor has been happy to kind of join us and, and talk kind of whatever we felt there was benefit in in talking today um so i'm really thankful for connor's time as is ellie there's a few avenues that we we want to explore and i think the one that we're going to start with today in connor's terminology is present moment training i i say connor's terminology we, I, you know we'll come on to to why i specify that in a minute um but connor just to give the the listeners a bit of an insight into kind of who you are, what you're up to, what you do day to day. Do you, do you mind giving us like a two minute overview of, of who you are? Yeah, yeah, no worries, James. Um, I suppose I better clarify that I didn't I didn't come up with the frame present moment training. I'm not going to be that guy who says, yeah, that was my idea. But um, yeah, it's something that I use in my in my practice and something that I do teach. But um, yeah, so I'm uh, I'm Connor. We all know that already. I don't know why I just said that, but yeah, I'm a uh, yeah, so I actually grew up uh, on the south coast on the Isle of Wight. Um, parents are still still down there, um, but I've done yeah, I did a, a sports science degree and then a, a master's in more the mental side of performance. Um, but my link to to this podcast is just having fitness at the forefront of like my training. Um, I played rugby to quite a high level um, and tennis as well. So trying to combine those two was interesting. When you uh, you couldn't hit a tennis serve because your shoulder was bashed up from a weekend of rugby, but. <laughs> Um, yeah, just staying in decent sort of physical nick and condition has always been a massive interest of mine. Um, got the sort of PT qualification and uh, yeah, hence so I got I got put onto to your guys' really impressive platform. Um, I'll be honest, I'm yet to go down the road and join in some sessions with you guys. So I'm hoping to do that um, as soon as really. Um, but yeah, sorry, a little bit about myself. So sports psychology, I'm about seven years down the, the path now. It's a long path. Um, typically slightly longer than other sports science sort of vocations because you are still dealing with the mind, um, mental health, a little bit of clinical psychology. So um, yeah, there's a reason why it's quite a stringent sort of uh, qualification really. Um, But I've loved it. Like it's taken me to to Ghana um, and Fiji as well. So just trying to introduce some of these concepts to uh, sort of lesser known countries and populations is a big sort of um, value of mine. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm currently in Bristol. I, I lecture at um, University of Southampton uh, on their undergrad sports psych program. And I support um, a number of student athletes here in Bristol at the university, um, as well as some private clients as well. But um, yeah, I guess that's that's probably enough um, before I get all awkward and be like, no, enough about me. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a really nice overview. Thank you. Um, I'm sure people can probably already see the value that you're be able to add um, on on many topics. So I guess on that note, team, if there's anything that you want to hear more about or that you can think of that you want to hear discussed, especially you know somebody as as kind of qualified and experienced as as Connor has, um, feel free just to give us a shout, and we'll you know we'll see if we can uh, persuade Connor to join us again. So I guess let's get stuck into the today's topic then, Connor. So what the the phrase present moment training. What is that? What does that mean? Yeah, um, I think with this particular one, um, James, it's it's link um, for me is mostly within the sort of performance setting. Um, so we, when we think about when we're at our best in, in performance in general, it tends to lie within that sort of presence. So if I give the example of a, 
let's go with like a, a gymnast who's dwelling on a, on a previous fall, then there's likely to be some stress um, uh, associated with that. Or if you've got, say, like a, let's go with like a, a weightlifter who's already shooting towards um, a weight in sort of two or three weeks time, then they're likely to forget about the, um, the technical and the tactical of what's, what's needed for that particular moment. So I guess um, whenever you, if you watch like things like the last dance and you've got clips of Michael Jordan kind of mid flow doing his thing um, that's, I mean, that's present moment in a nutshell, you know, where you've got that, that sort of enhanced focus. Um, you've got a real meaning behind what you're doing. You've probably got quite a dynamic environment from which to, to sort of act um yeah it's and it's it's something that that can be beneficial outside of the performance setting as well and i'll, I'll i guess we'll, we'll delve into that a little bit later on but um when i think of it i think of it as a skill that that can be developed it can be learned um i'd argue some people are probably predisposed to, to having an innate ability as well but it's certainly something that can be to, can be um yeah developed and uh, improved nice thank you Connor. and in, so what you've just described for me actually aligns quite a lot with the idea of flow, which, you know, I've, I've heard a, a, a podcast on recently and, and been reading up about generally over, you know, the last couple of months and things like that flow and, and, and presence and, and focus and the absence of distraction. Is it fair to kind of draw a parallel between those two things? Is it, is it kind of just another way to describe that? Hundred percent, James. Yeah, there's there's a lot out there with with flow. Um, flow was developed by this guy's got the hardest name to pronounce, but I'll give it a go. His name's Mihai Csikszent Mihai, and basically he was a <laughs> he was a scientist who, who who derived this term flow. And you're dead right. It's got it's got some characteristics. So it's like absorption with that present moment, um, deep embodiment. It's got like a challenge and skill ratio. So. What I mean by that is someone like Alex Honnold, who's like climbing free solo, um, is likely to be in flow because, pardon me being gruesome now, but if he's not in flow, he's going to die, right? So um, you, it's the kind of, it's a kind of, it's a state of mind and a state of physiology um, that you can access and you can access it on a micro level as well, James. That's important to mention that if you have a really engaging discussion with someone who is on your same wavelength and you're testing each other and you feel like time is distorted, that's another characteristic, then that's like a little micro flow um, moment. Um, but yeah, it's something that is a bit of an enigma, I'll be honest, in the day-to-day -day of sport. Um, it's quite hard to access. Um, and I'd argue it's probably as important to develop what you're like as an athlete or as an individual when you're not in flow as well. How do you, how do you get through like the tough times and the adversity? So it's a bit of that seesaw really. Flow is great, but it's bloody hard to access and get into. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting because I, I've, I've, I've heard the term flow and I've, I've kind of read different things on it over the last couple of months and, and generally just where my curiosity takes me, articles, podcasts and things like that. And it was on a, a podcast very recently where they spent quite a lot of time talking about it and they talked about I guess the example of a, a you know a free climber a solo climber they they talked about the example of almost the environment itself being one that encourages flow and can you guys take a step back a sec for people who are not yeah. familiar with the term flow can we go back a couple of steps and explain what you mean because for people who've never heard it you sound like you're talking about some uh, like it doesn't it, it's not going to make any sense there's no context to it yeah I'm, I'm happy to chip in there I think with with the concept of of flow um again as I as I sort of mentioned it's it's something that can be achieved through 
Um, again, having meaning in a particular activity. Um, it's, it's having a, a level of challenge and skill. So you need to be competent in what you're doing. So um, I guess giving an example, it, it would be hard to achieve flow if you're a professional basketball player playing with like some six-year-old kids in the playground because it doesn't quite have that environment that stimulates you to to access a flow a flow state um trying to think the best way to to sort of get it get it across um it's it's something that is is nice it gives you like a nice a nice feeling because you're being rewarded for um essentially putting hard work in and make everything seems pretty seamless it seems like it's all just a bit distorted and it's it's um yeah it has some nice kind of chemicals associated with it but um yeah, I don't know if that made it even more complicated to, yeah. to define, really. No, I, I think I think you've done quite a good job. It, there's definitely a neurological element to it, isn't there? And, and it's you know the the, the feeling of um, like peak performance, I guess, uninterrupted. And and I, I think it's interesting the the thing you touched on about a distortion of time. I think those micro flows, those micro moments of uninterrupted you know high output are those times like these podcasts actually are, are, might even be in, in themselves a good example because ellie how often do we get to the end of a podcast with like two-thirds of the topic still undiscussed and we go oh wow we've, we've literally been an hour this was supposed to be 20 minutes and before you even know it an hour's just gone so in terms of so present moment training You've, you've articulated really nicely kind of how you see it. How does, how does the industry view the idea of present moment training? Like what will, like think, to Ellie's point, things like flow and present moment training might be things that people literally have never heard of, you know, in their lives. What's, what's like a digestible, you might have heard of this version of present moment training and, and how, how, how does the industry kind of talk about it? Yeah. James, I think the most obvious um, comparison, which has similar characteristics, would, would just be mindfulness. I know we, we spoke about before the show how, how we were going to present the term. And I guess the reason why I, I didn't really go with mindfulness is because it's been thrown into to various different sort of magazines and self-help sort of diaries. And, and it's a brilliant like premise. It's a brilliant idea. Um, I guess I guess present moment training is just a bit more specific. Again, um, if we think about if we think about mindfulness, so it started, I think ages ago now, this guy called John Kabat-Zinn who basically started it like late 80s. Um, and it's taken a little while for that to trickle into the sort of sports and performance space. Um, so uh, if I'm, yeah, if I'm using an example that would relate to, to the sort of general fitness public, then, um, then mindfulness would be the closest thing. Um, but it's just it's just making people sort of aware and understanding that the present moment, although not always attainable, is usually a very healthy and productive place to be. Um, it's a place that's sort of free of distraction. It's a place that's aligned with your values. It's a place that connects quite deeply with like your internal and external state. Um, so in terms of maxing out an activity and exercise and interaction, then the present moment is is pretty beautiful for that, and it's and you can um, you can develop it as I say, like a like a muscle, you can build it over time. Nice, it's really interesting. It's really interesting to think of something like that in that way. Um, so who who are the types of people that would benefit from from developing their ability to be present? How you know, developing their present moment training? Does, does is it just elite athletes, or is that is it broader than that? 
No, geez, James, I, I think just about everybody. Hey, like I think, again, if we give the example back to the day-to-day and even the current situation, um, sorry for bring, bringing that up. I was hoping we'd have an hour free of uh, talking about old, uh, old Corona, but oh well. But no, it makes, it makes a, good, a good parallel, a good segue onto it because, again, if we, can, if we can look to access more moments in the day where we're not worried about uh, when we're going to get back in the gym or, when, or, we're, uh, or we're not glued to the, nat- the latest like BBC news flash, then, then typically we're in a better headspace. You know, we're in a nicer place to, to be and a nicer person to be around. So, um, yeah, I guess in t- the, other, the other thing that I wanted to mention is that it can, it can get you, I suppose it sounds fluffy, but it can get you to live a slightly more fulfilled existence. And pardon the, the philosophical answer for that. The reason why, why I mention that is because if we're present, then, then we can be present with our kids. We can be present with our dog on a walk. We can, you know, you're just, you're maxing out that, that moment, um, you know, and it can, it can serve as a nice filter for different things. So let's say you're, you're in a, in a crowd full of people and, and if, yeah, if you train it, it just gives you like a nice sniper basically on what to attend to, what to focus on. So let's say you've got like a couple of people who you're interacting with, you've been to a party or a barbecue and you meet like six of them. Um, and yeah, you're going to be pleasant and you're going to engage with all of them. But maybe you've met one person who's like right on your wavelength. Well, I guess if you train in these these kind of concepts, then then you want it, you're, you're more inclined to reach back to that person. You kind of, you kind of like, oh yeah, well, we were, we were talking about something really juicy and something really meaningful. If, if you're training these concepts through mindfulness, through present moment, um, it can be a nice narrower and it can be a nice way of kind of like, yeah, connecting, I guess. That was, that's gone full circle, but yeah, just how it can apply more ex- externally as well. Nice. Um, so talking of applying, what, I mean, the, the idea of present moment training is, as, as we know, is one that is interesting to, to, to all of us. And, and as you said, is now applicable to everyone as well, can be applied in the gym and outside in, in kind of more present life situations. What's the practical application of that? Though? Like, How do people go about starting to find that point of being able to be present? Yeah, there's different sort of entry points, really. Um, Ellie, and it's obviously there's a there's a continuum there. Um, I think even like your your sort of Buddhist monks would argue that there's no mastering of it because it's just continuous like exploration. Um, and and again, I think there are there are things we would have heard of. So if I use again a personal example, I I like the more dynamic, what you might call sometimes um, informal mindfulness practices or present moment practices. So. That would be using the key principles of mind- mindfulness, i.e. non-judgmental attention, um, having a, a deep focus, um, connecting to, to, again, the present moment, those sorts of principles, but doing it literally while you're like cooking or while you're on a phone call with your, with your mum. Like these are skills that you can do um, sort of not, not just exclusively. Um, the other one, which, which is, a, is a daily for me, and I'm, I'm a big advocate for with my athletes and clients, is, is just breath work, so breathing, breathing training. Um, now, again, there's, there's different schools of thought with that, um, and this could be explored, I guess, on a, on a later pod. Um, people are moving towards nasal breathing, um, and I'll give a quick snippet into that. Is, um, there's links between um, how it can enhance uh, sleep, how it can enhance sort of focus and control. It has more of like a relaxing response because um, again, I'm not a sleep sci- a breathing site, a breath work scientist. So I'm just going to give what, what I've heard about, but I guess, I guess breathing is a nice, 
it's a nice dynamic way of practicing it, Ellie. Um, so it gives you it gives you like a physical mindfulness exercise as well, um, and it has some nice sort of uh, yeah psychological uh, benefits off the back of it. So yeah, um, sorry, and, and I will explain. Obviously, on top of that, you've you've then got your more traditional or in the media approaches. So Headspace, Calm, all of the different apps which serve a very very nice good entry point. Um, so yeah, there's there's a lot out there. Uh, for those who are curious, then they tend to follow down the more meditation um, pathway as well. But um, yeah, there's there's a lot out there. Sorry, I beat it around the bush a lot. But... No, no, it's all good. It's all good. It's all, it's all interesting stuff. So if I if I came to you and said, look, I, I actual fact, this is this is super interesting for me because I I struggle with this. So obviously, I own the gym, run the gym with with Amy and Layla. Um, so it's my place of work, but the gym came about. From a passion it came about from you know loving cross crossfit functional fitness all that sort of stuff and the three of us one day went why don't we open a gym and five years later here we are and there's a huge amount that i love about it and a huge amount that i'm incredibly grateful for one of the things i find really difficult is my office is upstairs in the gym and quite often on the gym floor is my place of work but then sometimes it's my place of training sometimes it's of have a bit of fun with a couple of friends, decompress. If, if I'm training on my own, I find switching off my work brain and being present in my own training really hard. So if there were three things that you could say to me that would, that I could try and practice instantly, like if I was going to go to the gym tomorrow and train on my own, what would be the top three things that you would suggest I did to not think about work, focus on my training? Yeah, um, it's it's person specific. Ellie, sorry for giving that that whole it depends answer a bit predictable. <laughs> um, but on on that note, again, like again, this wouldn't be like a, a golden nugget. This is just an approach that I know has worked with with some people. Um, so the first thing, I guess, in terms of wanting to clear the air is finding finding meaning and purpose in that activity. So if you can latch on to like your value system. So when you when you hop into whether you're on the platform or you're you're on the gym floor and you're and you've got like a bit of a spiraling mind, what what you can do, I guess first and foremost, or at one point, is just just check in and be like, right, I'm here because this is all about a journey of self-development, or I'm here because I know this is just any time, you know, this is time for me just to be me and do something that I've loved for years. Um other ways that you can do it, if you feel like there really is a lot of like mental chatter or a lot of noise going on, um, you can allow yourself. I actually, you guys might enjoy this one, but I talk about like a little mind gym for my clients. So I let them, I let them just step in, step into the mind gym. Now the mind gym is a very, it's a very non-judgmental place. It's just where you kind of, you know, if you've got a beanbag or a, or a, or a dog to, to cuddle with while you're working with it, then all the better. Um, but it's just you take two to three minutes to just have a listen. And just understand why your why your thoughts are as they are. Again, this this ties into mindfulness. And once you've done that, it it can give you a bit of a distance from it. So rather than um, and I'll give you the example, Ellie. Rather than fusing with your thoughts, where you're like, oh, geez, why am I still thinking of work when I'm supposed to be lifting this barbell or this kettlebell? And and that just spirals, doesn't it? It kind of like goes into a quite a dark place sometimes. Um, yeah, that I guess. Let's go back to source. So one 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 would be connecting back to your value system. Why why are you there? Why does it mean something to you? Um, you could do a little costs and benefits thing, and you could be like, well, actually, the benefits of me training right now and training properly um way outdo the costs of like oh maybe i've got a bit of work i should be doing back at the office so you can do that little check-in with yourself um, the second one is just to sit in 
get a step into your little mind gym, you know, a place where you can just understand where those thoughts are coming from. Um, you can just kind of like look to accept them rather than battle with them. Um, and then the third thing is you can, you can do sort of like, I guess, psych activators. So um, some people might call this centering. So that's when you hear, you might see like a, um, a power lifter kind of clap their hands and then the, the chalk goes. It's a nice way of like connecting to the present. Um, it's why you might see a tennis player go to the back of the tennis court and wipe their face with a towel. Um, some people like to do that deep inhale. Again, that's just a nice physiological way of connecting to, to your task and your activity. Um, yeah, so it would be those, those three, I guess, Ellie, would be some, some that I'm just thinking of off the top of my head. So the value system, the, the two or three minute just little mind gym. And then that third one is um, how can you center, how can you activate both physically and mentally through, through triggers and, and centering skills? Um, yeah, do you, do you use, do, just out of interest, do either of you use any of those principles already? Um, maybe under different banners or in different forms? I've probably only the first one and only recently of just, yeah, having that conversation with myself of saying, yes, I've got a lot of work to do, but actually that's the nature of my job means I'm always going to have quite a lot to do. But if I take an hour now when I feel like I want to train, then I'm going to be mentally more invested in my work later because I've had an hour out for myself rather than working the whole day through or however it might be. So yes but not in quite such a structured way so that's that's really useful and as i say ellie like this is it's um it's not like a black or white white or a my way or the highway kind of thinking it's just if that if that's an extra bit that people could incorporate then that yeah that's that's cool i guess the other other physical and this was something that james and i have talked about on a previous podcast is um it, i guess it's a physiological trigger in that I've now got a separate pair of trainers that I try and train in. So I go into a pair of black trainers, but the ones that I prefer to train and I don't wear normally unless I'm going to train. So that if I'm in the office, I change my shoes because psychologically that's a trigger for me to write. This is now training time. And then when I get back to the office, if I haven't finished work, I'll put my other shoes back on. I love that, Ellie. And that's, that's something that's actually come out a, a lot from the world of sports is this whole boots on, switch on mindset. I think the All Blacks have uh, piggybacked onto that one as well. And, and, and that's why you've got so many high performers with all of these superstitions. You know, you've got like a, a cricket player who's going out to play and he straps his back to the ceiling because he knows that as soon as he gets that bat off the ceiling, it means game on kind of thing. Like there's, there's so many there and they're weird and wonderful. But what I love about them is they are so unique to each individual. Like you've got some people that will only wear their, their vest that they've had when they won a tournament when they were 12 or something. But I love that because it's a nice mental, physical link. Yeah. I find it, I love, love this conversation so much. Um, really interested in the idea of the mind gym. Um, and I'll tell you why, and I'll tell you why by answering the question as to whether or not, you know, we kind of practice any of these things already. I've, I've never really gotten into meditation. I don't really know why. It's just not ever something I've given the time for, really. And the times, I think the times that I've tried, I've almost been a little bit put off by it because when I dedicate some... Kind of, <laughs> time to to the dog walkers just arrived to pick up some <laughs> okay. um, every time i've given some time to practice it i've almost found that i've 
had so much going, I've kind of taken a step back and gone, okay, cool. I'm going to breathe an exercise for X amount of time, or I'm going to listen to some guided meditation, or I'm just going to like switch off any distractions and just try and be present with myself. And I'm really comfortable in my own company, but I find that there's almost so much chaos when I draw my attention to my own thoughts, there's so much going on that I get to the point where I decide that I, I can't meditate because there's so much going on. There's so many thoughts that are distracting. I can't kind of find a, a peaceful moment. And it wasn't until recently that I heard somebody talking about the idea of meditation and actually that, that that's okay. And actually it's almost encouraged because the whole point is you're taking a minute to acknowledge the fact that you've got so much going on you've got so many thoughts flying around in your head you've got so much like mental distortion mm -hmm. that actually drawing attention to those thoughts and actually acknowledging that they're there is probably what in turn helps you find a level of calm is that fair to is that is that fair to kind of draw a parallel with the mind the idea of a mind gym and that kind of personal experience 100% James yeah no no I'm fully with you there actually and and I think you could you could say that yes um, your meditation practices are slightly deeper and I'll put my hand up and say I've, I've never been able to fully get on board with uh, right Connie you're gonna you're gonna sit in this room on your beanbag and just watch your thoughts for for five ten minutes geez man my brain still works too <laughs> yeah I can't I can't do that uh, maybe over time I might be able to reach those kind of states but but James I think you're, you're dead right like you and actually what you've touched upon, that awareness is probably the most powerful thing. So becoming aware of your own internal dialogue, um, becoming aware of, again, your thoughts, feelings, emotions, that's probably the first, it's the first port of call, really. You can't go, you can't go straight to accepting our thoughts if we're not aware of them. Because, um, and, and actually, you know, that, yeah, that, that idea of you just knowing that you're in a bit of a head funk and it's, and it's, all, it's all gone all over the place is, is the first step in kind of, diffusing from those thoughts so kind of letting them just uh, work their way out over the course of a session or over the course of, of something you're doing so yeah that ties in nicely James to that informal mindfulness idea you know if you're not somebody and the majority of us aren't that can do what I said you know going and sitting down on a beanbag then practice a few of these little mind gym uh, yeah mindfulness skills just through you know, connection with nature, connection with, as I say, a cooking practice, reading a book. There, there's endless ways that you can practice mindfulness skills informally. Um, yeah, definitely, mate. Nice. Love that. Thank you. And, and I think th there's things upon reflection that I think I've stumbled across that have helped that. So, you know, walking the dog, for instance, I know, ironically, our dog walker has just arrived to do that for me. <laughs> But I do also walk my own dog, just not during the day. So like when I take Sunny out in the mornings or in the evenings, actually something as simple as leaving my phone at home instantly removes any sort of urge to scroll or, or you know, even get the camera out and take a photo of something because, you know, almost guaranteed there'll be a notification that distracts me. And, you know, the idea of just leaving my phone at home and going out with, with Sunny, you know, you can't be anything but present I guess and, and enjoy it for what it is time with your dog out in the fields so I guess I'm, I'm, am I kind of on the money in terms of what you're talking about you know being present in the in the daily thing the simple daily things that you do 
Yeah, of course, James. And I'm, I'm glad you, you made the mention there to, to technology. Um, there's a fair little growing body of, of, again, science that's supporting that if we get, say, blue, we know about blue light, eh? after like 10 p.m., if we're looking at blue light, it elicits like a cortisol, a stress response, which then um, basically um, disables our sleep patterns. And it's just not healthy for us, basically. Um, I'm, I'm trying to get better myself and putting my phone on the uh, in a different room at 9 p.m. and what have you. But yeah, you're dead right. Like just limiting the the stresses that might occur as well but then if you're on that walk and you've got stresses that come on board let's say you're walking what's your dog's name james uh sunny yeah sorry sunny and let's say you're walking sunny and you um and you catch yourself you know not really just being with your pooch and getting a little bit annoyed about like something that happened earlier or apprehensive about something that happens later on it's not it's not battling with that it's not trying to find out why you know those why you're battling with it or why you're resenting yourself for being in that it's just yeah, just kind of sitting with it, just being aware of it, kind of, again, you've probably heard of the analogy of seeing those thoughts as like clouds in the sky. Um, again, it sounds fluffy, because clouds are fluffy, but <laughs> in the long run, that does lead to a far more harmonious relationship that you have with your mind and yourself. Um, yeah, the old school of thought of psychology is all about, which isn't wrong, it's just a different approach, which is, okay, classic CBT, where are my thoughts coming from? How do I intervene them? How do I change them? And that's okay, that's fine for some people. Um, but I think we're, in the day-to-day -day with all of these stresses, having a slightly more acceptance mindset is, is particularly healthy, I think. Um, but I can talk about when it's important to do the opposite as well um, at a later stage, but yeah, definitely, James. Ellie, have you, am I right in saying that you've recently bought some blue blocking glasses? Is that right? Or have I imagined that? I have. I've bought some blue light glasses. I look like a character out of Harry Potter when I wear them. So I don't, <laughs> I don't <laughs> tend to wear them in public. But yeah, and actually, I, I had to create a new habit in getting used to wearing them because even now I've only had them, I haven't had them very long. So I'll be doing something and think, oh, I haven't got my, my blue light glasses on. Um, but even having only used them a few times, I'm inclined to say I think they probably do have a benefit. Like my eyes are naturally tireder, as in my body's allowing me to feel tired rather than being kept awake by all this blue light. Um, and interesting that you said about cooking practices as well. I've got potentially slightly unhealthy obsession with buying recipe books. Um, I quite like to sit on the sofa and just read through recipe books. I also like cooking. Um, but Just as well, really. He asked me, why don't you just use the internet and your screen and your phone? And I was like, I don't, I, because I like having, I like books anyway. I like reading from books. I don't like reading from tablets and all that sort of stuff. But, and actually you having just said that, it, it's only just dawned on me that actually that is a lot of time away from my screen. And I've, I've got a little bit more time in lockdown. So I've started faffing around in the kitchen and kind of just doing, practicing things that I haven't normally got the time to. And actually, again, I found that I've gone to bed if I've made the separation between I've finished work, I've got my recipe book out, I found something that I want to try and make, even if it hasn't worked, I'm like, oh God, that, that wasn't what I wanted. I've spent all evening not on a screen yeah. and I've gone to bed and slept really well. Um, so yeah, blue light glasses and reading cookery books is- uh, Ellie, I really, I really like that because you've actually, um, maybe consciously, unconsciously, I don't know, but you've made reference <laughs> to a really important um, skill, which, which I do teach is um, the power of routines. Now routines doesn't just obviously have to be, um, let's say a pole vaulter who needs to do their, their mindset routines, get everything in gear so that they've got to, they've got to do the takeoff correct. It can be, you know, making that, as you said, like a clear 
distinction between work and life balance and that when you when you switch off you know you've got your your screen time working with clients let's say nine to five or what have you but then as soon as you've you've pushed exit on that last zoom call you know that it's like ellie time you know that it's going to be sort of uh, hopefully you know no no extra blue lights not too much stresses sort of coming in and and i really like that i think that's that's something that that is really really powerful um my my other half loves her kindle and i know she tells me it's not a screen card it's not a screen and i'm trying to get my head around the fact that it looks like a screen and i'm i'm the same as you ellie i'm, I'm just curious have you have you read the nordic cookbook it was something i was going to purchase the other day have you got that in your in your uh, no, but funnily enough that sort of area of the world is i tend to go and kind of for some reason cuisines from different parts of the world tend to it's french pastry at the moment which is oh. ironic because i can't actually eat french pastry so i started making <laughs> and just delivering them to people and saying eat that because i can't um so nice. so the, the, the whole kind of that area of the world in terms of diet is is something that it, that really interests me so i will i'll put it on my list yeah, as I say, it's something I haven't actually read myself. It's just someone recommended it to me, and it's in my little Amazon to buy to buy basket. So yeah, apparently it's a goodie. But yeah, I'm a big fan yeah, of I, um, uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but Haiji, which I think is all that kind of and how they intertwine food within that whole kind of living ethos and stuff. So so yeah, it's it's really interesting. What um, I think one of the things that I've I was talking to somebody about somebody coined the phrase lockdown luxuries. And actually for me, one of them is a little bit more time. Um, and although when we go back to the real world, which I'm hopeful for fairly soon, one of the things that I need to be better is that although my days look quite different is making that separation so that when I get home, I don't I have to work from home at the minute. So I'm consciously making the effort to separate myself. And I think one of the things that has happened the last couple of times we've come out of lockdown is I slipped back into old habits of, oh, I'll just get home, I'll just open the laptop, I'll just, and I need, to, I need to make sure I don't do that because everything else feels better when I don't sit and work for three hours on my laptop in the evening or I do something non-work related before I go to bed. So, so yeah, routine, even informal routine or routine that isn't necessarily every day. It's just a work finishes, do something to separate yourself. And, and kind of I like that example, actually, Ellie, because even that one in itself where you you check in with yourself after work now this isn't a a mindfulness skill it's more of like a cognitive reframing thing where you catch yourself you know after a day at work opening the laptop and still checking emails now this is i guess the opposite of um present moment training would be but equally as powerful as actually just checking in and having a little conversation being like right right ellie is this really important or like can this wait and like Let's be honest, how often do we find ourselves actually kind of disputing that healthily? We're often, we're often disputing those kind of thoughts unhealthily where we're like, oh, I'm still, I'm still worrying about this. But if you, if you take that two minutes when you've opened that laptop to be like, actually, hang on, like what's the costs and benefits of this? The costs are that I'm now still staring at a screen. It's going to distract me from like connecting in the evening. The benefits are, well, not many because I could just do this before work in the morning kind of thing. So Although that is that is a very different school of thought to what we've spoken about today, that is, I think, an equally helpful little mental skill in itself. This whole cognitive reframing thing, um, yeah. And, and there's there's various ways you can do that. It's it's like yeah, it's like when you say you've got a a performer who's who's telling themselves, um, oh, um, don't do this because you're going to stuff up, or don't hit the ball in the water, or um, yeah, don't drop your paddle in the ocean. You just check in and you're like, okay, right. Thanks for that comment, but let's change that to right. Latch onto the paddle or aim for the fairway, something like that. So yeah, sorry, I'm divulging, but I was just explaining how you've um, you've uh, 
shed some light on a different skill, which I think can can also be important. Connor, what what are the things that you find are most commonly blockers for people in being able to find presence and you know access their their ability to to present moment train um both maybe performance based and otherwise um yeah james there's i think several You've, you can almost look into um without getting too deep like back the background so somebody's somebody's upbringing if they and uh if they've been brought up into a culture or an environment where um, it's the norm to kind of battle with your thoughts or um, if you've yeah if you've been brought up into a background where you're you're constantly looking for reasons for, for believing and acting in a certain way um, and I'll, I'll put my hand up like I probably had a had a similar upbringing to that like most of us did like I mean this wave of kind of mindfulness present moment thinking certainly in the western culture is a relatively new concept I mean I say relatively new it's sort of late 80s but you know, I can't think growing up too many people telling me about mindfulness and all those things. So, yeah, that would be one, James, is to just be aware of where where your um, where your initial coping mechanisms might come from. Um, again, if you're somebody who's who's used to kind of like doing a bit of what we call introspection and like battling with their thoughts and that and that has success for them, then then keep doing it. You know, I'm not going to say that this approach is is like gold dust. Um, other barriers would be. Um, just what I guess what baggage you've you've brought with you over time, um, James. So if you you've probably come across sort of like the imposter syndrome, where you're you're constantly doubting yourself, maybe off the back of like a a prior um, failure. I'll put that in inverted commas because um, yeah, I don't really believe failure exists. It's just learning in another way of putting it. But let's say failure for now. Now, if you if you've been through those experiences, it can make you far less inclined to be accepting of yourself. You. Um, if you're perfectionistic as well, that tends to be a barrier to this this type of uh, yeah sort of principles and learning because you're constantly looking for um, like an action response or a reason uh, where actually you know just sitting and and being aware and accepting can be really really powerful for perfectionistic individuals. Um, yeah, those those I guess are some barriers. So maybe some prior history, maybe something to do with the relationship you have with your thoughts, and then perfectionism um yeah there are there are several james they're the only ones that spring to mind mate nice okay cool so i guess maybe if we start thinking about wrapping up as much as i don't want to we've talked about the importance and relevance of mindfulness in the performance setting and we've talked about maybe practical applications outside of the performance setting what's the what's the relevance of it and I think we've touched on a couple of things like, you know, lifestyle and kids and stuff like that. What's the, the relevance and the benefit of becoming more mindful, becoming more present when we, when we remove fitness and training from the, from the equation completely? Yeah, I think, I think we, we alluded to it slightly earlier on in this one was um, how it connects you with your own value system. It gets you, I think, I believe it gets you acting in a more organic way, you know, when you're free of, um, yeah, either distractions or you're free of like sort of predisposed thoughts. It can get you, I, I think it can get you acting in a far more authentic way. Um, and again, I don't think that's purely fluffy. I think there's evidence now to support that. Um, 
it can, yeah, it can get you just sort of understanding of, of your triggers as well. It gets you understanding what might, what might sort of irk you in situations. It gets you um, being less volatile and less, and less irrational in situations. Um, again, I'll, I'll put my hand up. I think this type of training has helped me in a, in a car. Um, I consider myself a relatively Zen guy um day to day but if you get me in a car and um let's say i've gone out of my way and the person who's coming um and i've gone up on the verge and i don't get like a little thanks in reply well in years gone back i'll be that person putting the little two finger salute out the window or a little uh, a little word as they go past but i think um and actually interestingly you know i, I hate to throw my old man into this because he might listen to this but um that's how he would probably react so maybe i've picked that up of him but sorry i'm going off a bit left field but essentially yeah it, it can help with that irrationality piece, you know, it gives you a little pause before you respond to things, which is, is so powerful. I think, you know, it, it sort of minimizes those, oh, I regret that moments. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it can have, it can have numerous benefits, but yeah, we've touched upon, I guess, some, some key ones, Jane. Yeah. I, that, that traffic example is really nice. I think I'm pretty sure at some point over the, the, the episode list, it's, it's come up as an example a few times, but that idea of it being something you can't control and being in control to know how you want to react to that and how you should react to that and being able to kind of catch yourself and not, yeah, I guess just not default to, to, to behavior that afterwards you would reflect on and, you know, knowingly categorize is probably not ideal. Mm. Um, and you know someone cutting you up in traffic is probably something that a lot of people can can relate to as well and it might be might be quite a nice thought for people to kind of mull over how they last reacted how they could react maybe the challenges that they face in the moment of you know what stops them remaining in control and, and being kind of present or focused but yeah I like, I like that analogy for a lot of a lot of things I think on that note I know that me and Ellie have thousands of questions still um i think we're going to wrap up the episode at this point um as we said at the start i'm really hopeful that we have a couple of these because i'm loving this conversation i'm loving the perspective and the value that, that you're able to add for us connor i really appreciate it and really appreciate your time i'm sure a lot of people listening would have got a lot from this like if i know our audience it's you know this is the sort of stuff that they will love so I'm really thankful. Um, I've got a lot from it from me as well. And I'm, I'm going to assume from the nature of the questions that Ellie's had, she's, she's basically used this as, as a free session, um, as have I, <laughs> <laughs> to an extent. Um, so Connor, thank you so much for your time. James, Ellie, thank you. Yeah, honestly, yeah, very, very uh, grateful to be uh on this one and uh yeah allowing allowing me as uh, i think you said the first external external guest on which um yeah yeah, yeah very very yeah. excited to be and I, yeah i hope that's been of value I've, I've learned lots from you too as well so thank you so much and um yeah let's 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 keep this keep this going because i thoroughly enjoyed this one so thanks guys all right amazing. You definitely, thank you uh, definitely set the bar high so yeah thanks for for stay on i really appreciate it i think we're just gonna have a whole load of people that are nervous to come on after this now because of the <laughs> standard of value that's being added no chance man no chance you're too um, kind man ellie thank you so much for giving up an hour of your day as always and to you you're welcome um team i hope you all have i've no idea when this is going to come out probably at least a week from the point of recording it um so have a lovely 
like weekend, back half of the week, start of the week, wherever you're listening to this. Um, thank you for listening. As always, give us a shout if there's anything that you want to hear us ask Connor um, or answer or seek out. And we will see you again soon. Have a lovely day. Cheers, guys. <laughs>